At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Wow, that gives us good reason to sing when you think of all He's done for us. And oh man, and the journey still continues. That's why we're here today. Because that grace upon grace upon grace upon grace continues to transform us into the image of Jesus. I'm so glad. Mick, you need that, man. You need more Jesus in your life, don't you? Don't I? Yeah. Man, every day is better and can be if we submit to him. And I hope that that's today. I hope today is another day where we submit to another thing that he has to say to us so that we can see more blessings come in our life. Blessing, that's a key word uh, to our text this morning, Psalm 133, if you want to turn there. Um, as you do and as Art is getting things ready on our, our uh, audio system, uh, just a few things. First of all, many of you attended the baptism service last week. That was incredible. I hope you've been praying for, for Danny and for Craig and for Liz uh, as they continue their journey as a follower of Jesus. Uh, most of you know that once you step out in faith and say yes to Jesus in a significant way, the enemy tends to notice and he tends to fight back and make, try to convince you that one, it might not be real. Uh, two, that might not be worth it. Um, but both of those things are lies. Uh, it's always worth following Jesus, always saying yes to him. And it is real. He is real. He's more real than the things we see around us today. So keep praying for them. A big thanks, Gary and Carol, for uh, your generosity in allowing us to meet at your home. It was beautiful. Uh, and God granted us a beautiful day. We're so thankful for that. Um, also want to welcome Jackie and John Mark. Thanks for joining our, our, our team here. Jackie, I know you love to be in front of people and you love attention. Would, it's not a big group here. It's just, just, a, just a few. Would you just turn and just wave to people? Would you mind doing that? Jackie is our brand new administrative assistant. Uh, we were able to have her join the team here this past week, and, and so we're really looking forward to her uh, diving deep into this incredible adventure God's called us to here at Woodside Algonac. Um, so we look forward to her ministry. So get to know her. Again, it's Jackie and her husband, John Mark, uh, wonderful people. I, lo I love uh, how God just connects us together and brings us back together. I coach Jackie's middle school basketball team. Uh, years ago. Uh, John Mark graduated with Kate and Eric um, at New Life Christian Academy uh, just 11 years ago or so, something like that, right? So it's cool to uh, continue that relationship. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. Um, thanks for your patience with us as we continue to meet at a temporary spot, like here at, at, at Doc 421. We've been praying, God, what do you have? What's, what's, what, can we go back to the school? We still don't know. We don't know if that will ever happen or, or such things. So uh, God's allowed us to press into, okay, God, maybe you have a permanent home for us. And there is continued progress on that, significant progress. Uh, so just so you know, two doors down is the center um, store of this strip mall 
and we are entering formal negotiations with uh, um, forming a lease uh, with that spot to have a place 24-7, potentially. I'm so excited about that. Oh, what's that? I have a permanent home here in this community. Lots of things that have to happen, right? We, we're going to have to step up as a church to say, yes, I'm in. I'm in not only serving, I'm in financially because it's going to cost uh, for us to do that. Um, so we'll be talking about that in the future. Um, but we do ask that you would pray that we can, over this next week or two, uh, solidify a lease that uh, both benefits, of course, the property owner here, as well as Woodside's ministry. Um, so it, it looks really good. There's great motivation on his end as well. There's motivation on our end. Uh, so, so let's just pray that God works all those things out. Um, there's build-out that needs to take place, so there's more details that have to happen. I want to thank George Cavell for all your help in thinking through those things. You've been a blessing to me. And let's see, last thing I want to mention, all the kids that are here, Liam, <laughs> give him a hand. Yeah. One of the best parts of our church is you and your clan. Liam, glad you're here. Uh, Liam, you've got this, this sheet here. This has some things to fill out, Liam. So follow along. Make sure your fo mom follows along. Your mom will give you 20 bucks if you fill it out completely. <laughs> or maybe not 20, maybe a quarter. I don't know. I don't know what, but I, I'm really glad you're here, man. Glad you're paying attention. All right. Psalms. We're spending time this summer in the Psalms. Uh, these last few weeks, we've looked at different poems in the book of Psalms that help us understand the purpose of gathering together. Uh, many of the Psalms are very personal. You see really the heart of the author come out in his poetic expressions, but almost exclusively, they are either culminating in corporate praise or they acknowledge the importance of corporate praise. In other words, gathering together to, to give praise to God. And so we looked at uh, Psalm 51 that helps us understand one of the purposes we gather for is to publicly confess our sin and celebrate our cleansing. That's what we did here, right? The song you just sang, death is arrested and my life began. We were dead in our sin. We confess that, that we have no good in and of ourselves. But when he cleansed us, we were given the righteousness of Christ. And that gives us full freedom uh, to love and worship our God. Uh, so we gathered, last week we talked from uh, Psalm 40 about the importance of gathering together to testify of God's goodness and his deliverance. Um, and so I hope you do that. If God has worked in your life, um, I, I hope that you have a chance to share that with someone today. Uh, what, what's God been doing? Uh, in your life. That's why we gather. We sing about it. Uh, we talk about it in our teaching, um, but also share together personally uh, for that. We also gather together to praise the name of God, that no matter what you see him do, who he is, is reason to praise him. Even if he didn't do anything for you, he is so glorious and great and good. He's worthy of our praise. Amen. And so we gather to do that. Today, we're kind of transitioning to some of the other psalms that help us understand some of the values that we embrace as we gather together. 
This morning in Psalm 133, we see the value of unity. Psalm 133 calls us to celebrate the gift of spiritual unity. One of the um, aspects of my life in my 53 years has been high school band. Um, Doesn't seem that significant, but my dad, when he graduated from college, fresh out of school, he was given the reins of the high school band at Parchment uh, School System. So over in Kalamazoo area, uh, he became band director of middle school and high school. And so that meant... As he did that for 20 years, that meant that I had to attend way more concerts and football halftimes than I ever wanted to. I had to, he dragged me with him to some time band camp, right? And so I'd try to find some way to occupy myself while the band camp was doing their things. Well, then I came into high school and then of course, I, it was my experience with high school band. And so I went through that. And then about 20 years after that, then our kids started to play instruments and join the band and have uh, the band experience. And we're still there as I have a flautist and a percussionist uh, in, the, in the band program. And if you've had any of that kind of experience, you know how important practice is. Right? Not just practice at rehearsal, not just showing up and bringing your instrument to band class but taking it home and practicing at home. You know how important it is, and you also probably know how annoying it is. Because one instrument practicing their part for the band is really boring. Rarely do you sit outside their door and just tap your foot and whistle along. You don't even know what they're playing. The song doesn't make any sense. Sometimes you can, oh, it's a Star Spangled Banner. I didn't even know. I think I'm getting it. But those that are a little less familiar, you're not really sure what it is. And then you hear the concert is scheduled and you think, seriously, I'm not sure they're ready. And then you go to the concert. You're like, that's incredible. I mean, it's never perfect, but I get it now. Oh, and I hear how that flute part that she's been working on, how it all fits in together. This is really a pleasant experience. That's because those individual parts weren't intended to be played alone. They were designed to be played together in unity and in harmony with the many other Parts. And when David, King David, wrote this psalm, he's helping us understand how important and how valuable it is for us to come together and to play our individual parts, but in harmony with one another and be unified together. And he says, when that happens, it's pleasant and good. I'd love for us to read this psalm uh, together. We'll put it on the screen. And if you can see the words, I don't know if you can see that. I'm going to read it out loud. You read it if you can see it 
too. I know it's hard to, to see it on the screen. But know that, before we read it, this is a song, what's called this, a song of ascent or a song of pilgrimage. King David wrote this psalm for people to sing as they made their way up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was built on a hill. And so as they moved from their villages and surrounding areas and they traveled up to Jerusalem, they would sing this and other songs. And just imagine, you know, you've got a 50-mile trip that would take you several weeks to travel. And eventually, as you get closer to the city, other families kind of come together and they join in on your route. And then you begin to sing and they know the same song. And it's songs that value the togetherness that three times a year you do this if you're able you come to Jerusalem for a special feast and festival and so you sing these songs as you ascend up to Jerusalem for these high and holy festivals that your people group have had as really hallmarks of their of their identity so let's read this together it's kind of strange right but most poetry is Those poetry lovers, I'm sorry. It just is. Let's read it together. Here we go. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessings, life forevermore. As he writes this, first there's this call to come check it out. That's what the word behold means. He's saying to the reader, come into the family, come check this out, come come look at this and consider being part of this. He says, behold, Look at this. Behold when brothers, those who are linked together at a deep and significant level. He's writing, this is for the Jewish people to sing. So physically they were joined together and united with all these people that live in these various villages because they all have descended from the father of the Jews, which is who? There was this song that you sang maybe as a kid. Father Abraham had many sons. Right arm, left arm, right? So, So the father Abraham, the father of the Jews, he was the start of a new nation that God had formed. And all these people from his, the 12 descendants that were the names of the tribes, they all lived in this whole region of Israel and Judah and they would come together. So as they would sing, they would say, wow, how good it is when us brothers... And sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles, all of us united together in Abraham, we come together in unity. But there was more than just the physical unity. There was a spiritual unity. Because this family was linked together by their faith in Yahweh, in the Lord of the heavens and the earth. You sang of him today the creator of everything that's been made, the God of gods and king of kings. They had faith in that. They believed there was one true God. All the nations around them believed in lots of different gods. They were a faith that believed in one true God and that faith united them. That united them beyond simply 
physically because there was people that heard of this one true God, were convinced of of his existence, and they became part of their faith. Two of the most famous people maybe is Ruth. Remember her story? Uh, Ruth and Naomi and how she, being a Moabite, said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, I'm going with you and your God is my God. A confession of faith to say, I am uniting together in faith with the people of Israel. Rahab is another one that helped the the spies uh, that came to Jericho to spy out the land. She helped them and she, she committed her life to following Yahweh and she became even part of the lineage um, of, of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And so it's a, it's, this is a spirit of unity. It's a call to unity. It's come check this out, everybody, because this is so good and pleasant for brothers, spiritually and physically, to live together in this unity. It says it's good and pleasant when they dwell in unity. It's when they make their home, they establish a homestead. They, they, they take the, the dirt and they move it and they flatten it out and they put a foundation in and they put, put stone upon stone and cornerstones above the doorway and so that the building can stand strong. They're putting effort into this unity. It's not that it just is, but they're dwelling in it. They're putting the effort into this unity. It's good and pleasant, the poem says. Good and pleasant are two different things. Good is kale and power greens and broccoli. That's good. Pleasant (laughs) is pizza and milkshakes and, and good stuff, right? Well, David says, here's what unity is when brothers dwell together like that, when they work for that, it's good and pleasant. Amen. It's like the energy of the kale and the power greens and, and the, the healthy proteins, and it's the pleasantness of the pizza and the milkshake coming together. That's what this is. It's so good when you experience it. And some of you have. I even think of some of the moments in our community here where you see people coming together and organizations coming together and people collaborating and cooperating and you come away from those things saying, man, that's what it's about. That is so good. I remember having a church outreach and Um, It was one of the first things we did when we went to Woodside of Warren and we did a major block party and we had businesses join us and we had different ministries, uh, our recovery ministry and our kids ministry and all these different ministries were there doing their thing and they're reaching people and and the neighbors from across the street and the apartments were just filled with enjoyment and we putting things away and somebody came to me and says, now that's the church. That's the church. All of us doing different things in our own sweet spots, coming together unified. It was just, we wanted to do it again the next weekend. That's, that's, that's how it is when you experience brothers, sisters, family, working together, dwelling in unity. It's good and it's pleasant. And David says, come on, everybody, come check that out. Come check this out. This is good. And then he says, And as you check it out, come and work for harmony. Come in the family and now come in harmony. Come to dwell in this unity. Put this effort into this unity. When David was writing this psalm, he was calling his people to live out the unity 
that God had already provided. David wasn't saying, come on, everybody, let's work hard so that we can be united. It's not what he was saying. He says, come on, brothers, let's dwell in the unity. Unity's there, we just have to dwell in it. Somebody um, described it as a covenant of unity and a commitment of unity. Two different elements here. The covenant of unity was established by God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, Moses is relating God's coming to Abraham to establish a new nation. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, it says, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the nations on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number, for you were the fewest of all nations. Right? It was Abraham with no kids. That's who God chose to be a new nation. So it wasn't anything impressive. It was just God's choice. But it is because the Lord loves you and has made covenant with you. This is the new nation that God formed out of his sovereign choice. God chose Abraham to begin a new nation. And this nation would be united under the worship of the one true God. It's the covenant of unity. We see it fleshed out even more and broadened to people of all nations, this unity of faith in the book of Ephesians, where Paul articulates it so well. It says in, in chapter 2, Now in Christ, you who once were far off, you are not part of the unity of Christ, of, of God, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ as he created in himself a new man, making peace, reconciling us to God in one body. All right, so maybe as we're talking about unity in the Jewish faith, you're thinking, okay, that leaves me out because I'm not part of that Jewish heritage. But you are, if you've given your life to Jesus, you have been brought into one body, this one body of unity that Jesus provided through his death and resurrection. So this is God's doing where he's brought you that lives in Clay and you that lives in Algonac and New Baltimore and, and way out in Rochester and wherever you are, he's brought you together and says, actually, you are part of one body because you've been formed by Christ. He's taken away the things that divide you and he's united you through the blood of Jesus. That's the covenant of unity. And it's so blessed and good when you experience the covenant of unity. But there's also the commitment to unity. This is our responsibility. To work out the unity that God has provided. To preserve the unity or to put it into practice. Or Ephesians 4 says, so live in a manner worthy of your calling. Be patient with one another. Forbear with one another. Forgive one another. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. 
But that's our responsibility to live out the unity that God has provided for us. A good way to think of that is like, it, like we experience it in marriage. Right? 31 years ago, God united me in the covenant relationship of marriage with Nancy. It's been an incredible journey. And I've got a sign of my covenant, which is this wedding ring that reminds me that we are covenanted together until death. We are one. However, every day I have to remind myself that there's also the commitment of unity that I have to live out. That I am responsible to make the choices committing myself to the unity that God has provided for us as husband and wife. The practice of treasuring one another, of prioritizing time to be with one another, to communicate with one, not just to one another, but communicate with one another, to listen well, to learn to understand, to value the perspective of the other people. It requires me to take time and effort and patience in order to live out the commitment of unity, to forgive one another, to make changes in my life so that I can better live out that commitment of unity, the covenant of unity that God has formed, right? So, so you understand this. You've, you've probably had times in your marriage where you just got so wrapped up in things that were happening, things were so busy, you just relied on the covenant of unity and neglected the commitment to unity. And when that happens, you begin to question the covenant of unity. Because those things that you began to assume now become a little bit divided. An unmaintained relationship draws us to division. Just know that. When we're not maintaining the covenant of unity, division will naturally set in. Why is that? Because we're sinful individual people. So as David is writing this psalm, he's not only calling the people to celebrate the unity of covenant that God has formed, he's calling them to dwell in it, to put forth their effort into the commitment of unity. Now that's to marriage. Remember, the direct, the direct application of this passage is to the family of God. David's primary emphasis, the Holy Spirit's primary, primary emphasis of this passage is not marriage, although that's a great application. The primary emphasis is your church family, is your spiritual family. That that requires a commitment of unity. Oh, oh, I know there's the covenant of unity. We know that. We're one. We're together. We can assume that. We come together once a week if we can make it, right? The kind of thing, right? But once you assume on the covenant of unity and don't maintain the commitment to unity, division just will naturally happen, just what it does. That's why Woodside has, which I think is in such wisdom in our day and age, that we've 
determined to really focus on two or three things as a church. There's tons of things we could do, but there's three things we, we try to make very important. One is our gatherings like this where we come together as a larger family, coming together, celebrating, praising, uh, holding each other accountable and such things in a, in a larger group like this. But we also know that there's only so many things you can do in a larger group. It requires us to gather together in a smaller group. We call them small groups or life groups or groups. It's groups of people that commit to unity together. Because in a smaller group, you can do that and you can be more real and you can hold each other accountable with, with a little more grace and strength. There's, there's more support that can be offered in a practical way. And then the third thing, we believe that God's called us to serve in our communities together. So with gatherings, worship gatherings, with small group gatherings and, and gathering to serve our communities, we believe that we're on a good track for making an impact and living out the kingdom of God in our, in our life today. But it requires that commitment to unity. And when it's there, we find refreshment. Number three in this poem, it gets to the last two verses that are really strange to us in our day and age where we can come and be refreshed. That's what he's, David is calling us to. Verse two, it says, when this happens, when you are committed to a church family, when you are committed to a, a group of people that seek to love God and love people, it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard and the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. What? Is that, it almost sounds kind of gross. <laughs> but before we dismiss it, let's try to capture a bit of what that would have been like for the Jewish traveler 800 years before Christ. In Exodus chapter 30, God gave Moses the law he called Moses to appoint Aaron, his brother-in-law, brother, brother-in-law, was, anyway, Aaron, brother. brother, thank you, thank you, what, um, to be the priest, right, and for his descendants to be the, the people that would intercede to God on behalf of of the rest of the people. They would work in the tabernacle and then eventually the temple, right? That was their line. Um, but God's law said, anoint them for that ministry. So this oil of anointing, Exodus chapter 30 describes what this oil was. It says this, take also for yourself the finest of spices, of flowing myrrh, 500 shekels, of fragrant cinnamon, half as much, 250 of fragrant cane, 250, of cassia, 500, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil, a hin. And you shall make all of these a holy anointing oil, a perfume mixture, the work of a perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. So these four spices and this olive oil would come together mixed properly by a perfumer to produce a wonderful, unique fragrance that would come to be that familiar smell 
of God communing with his people, of God reaching down to saying, I want to be with you and I've made a way for us to be together. So this, he, God could have said, yeah, I want myrrh. I want that to be the smell for this, but God didn't. For some reason he said, yeah, get some myrrh, get some cinnamon, get some cassia and get some cane, whatever those spices are and have them mixed properly at the perfect uh, amounts so that it expresses what I want as a unified body. I want the multiple spices because together it smells better. Oh, myrrh smells fine by itself. Cinnamon, yeah, you can, that's pretty unique. But you mix them all together and there's something special about that. And so and Aaron was anointed. It filled the, the area with a smell that became so familiar and known as an expression of unity and intercession. So for the Jewish traveler, be like, I haven't, I haven't been able to smell that for so long because we live so far away from the temple, but I'm coming together to be reminded that God has reached down to me and he reached down to us. And then David says, it's like the dew of Mount Hermon. Now here's a picture of Mount Hermon. Um, It's the highest mountain in a region um, in the northern part of the nation. This mountain range borders northern Israel from Syria. And on this mountain falls an average of 60 inches, five feet of precipitation through the year. And as the, the waters flow from there and as it melts in those few weeks where it's not snow-capped, it's almost snow-capped the entire year, except for a, a few weeks where it melts, that flows and forms the Jordan River. Without Mount Hermon, there'd be no Jordan River. Without Mount Hermon, there would be no fertile plains in that region. So the Jewish person that knows their geography would know that all of life and blessing and and agriculture and things owes itself to the waters on Mount Hermon. So when they flow, you know that life is being given to us. So when David uses that in his poem, he's giving that very familiar image of, yes, this is where life comes from. The dew of Hermon the water flowing from Mount Hermon fills our entire nation with life-giving water. Interesting then that Jesus in John chapter 7 says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Mount Hermon pictures Jesus. That Jesus is the one from whom flows all that we need. Here's the incredible thing about how Jesus has has designed his ministry. He has said, my church is my body. So though all... So much of our strength, all of our strength comes from Jesus. So much of that strength is through the conduit of his church. I mean, think back to how your life has been blessed in difficult times. I mean, there's certainly some times where you just realize it's nowhere else but God. There's no other explanation but God. And sometimes you think, yep, and God used them and them and them 
to bless my life, to say just the right thing, to come alongside and help me move, to, to fix my car, uh, to give me an idea of how to solve this dilemma, to hold my baby, to all these things where God uses people as the conduit for his living water. But that is best accessed when we're committed to the unity of Christ as a church. Let's not be a church that assumes on the covenant. Let's be a church that embraces the covenant of unity and then commits to unity. Couple of applications of this. One clear application is to our group's ministry. It's my desire, it's my dream that everybody at Woodside Algonac would be committed into a life group. Would say, I know I'm busy, but I know there's nothing more life giving than Jesus. And so if he's chosen, his church to be the conduit of much of his ministry, then it just makes sense for me to embrace a community of faith. I'd love for that. We're in the season now of we're, we're, we're forming those groups, we're forming new ones and reestablishing previous ones and all those such things. This would be a great time for you to jump in and say, yes, I want to be a part of that. Other applications are to our marriage. Have you been assuming onto, have been assuming on the covenant of unity in your marriage? Or is it time to shore up the commitment to it? Is there time to set aside to say, you know, we, yeah, we have all these pressing things. And I know we've been saying it's for a season, but that season has gotten really long and it's really gotten hard. And it's time to realize, you know what? The season will still be there if we take just this little bit of time and spend time together and rebuild this relationship. I'll bet we can handle the season better having that unity. Maybe it's a, it's a commitment to uh, saying yes to the Holy Spirit's prompting when he puts something on your heart to reach to others and it's been too easy for you to say, yeah, somebody else will do it. Uh, I, I just wanted my Saturday afternoon. I just don't want to do that. Maybe it's time for us to say, actually, if God's prompting me, then it must be time to be a conduit of his living water. I love the church. I love this church. I love you. I love us. I love those that are watching that I can't wait till you all come back in here and we can maybe move next door and we can fill that place and pack that out and more people in this community will come and discover the oil flowing down Aaron's beard. And the dew coming down Mount Hermon. Somebody, somebody, anybody here write poetry? Anybody? Somebody take a class and come up with a poem that expresses the same thing in our language. Right? Because I don't know if advertising oil on Aaron's beard is going to draw a lot of people. <laughs> Maybe the poem is us. Maybe we are the living epistles, right? To go out and help people see what it means to be unified in faith to a spiritual family that goes beyond just doing nice things, but it's sharing life together. 
remember in our group here, experience um, during this COVID season when you couldn't make eye contact with anybody lest you get a disease. And, uh, and our group met on Zoom like many of yours did. And uh, I, Joe and Kathy, you remember Amy as we ended a meeting and she'd tear up and we'd think, oh no, who said something? Who, who offended Amy? And then you find out that she just missed her family so much missed gathering together. She didn't even want the Zoom to end. She wanted to get back together. That's the richness of a family, of a spiritual family that lives together, serves together, helps one another through these highs and lows of life. Let's be that family. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you, Lord, for uniting us together uh, forgive us for neglecting that unity, for thinking that there's more important things, that tasks are more important than people. Forgive us for pushing something off too, too long, something so important like time together. Lord, we know that you have great things in store for your people, for your church. We know that you've designed something beautiful in your church, a spiritual family, a family that can encourage one another, that can challenge one another, that can serve one another, love one another, and pray for one another, that we exhort one another and correct one another. All these things, Lord, that can only happen when we truly are committed to one another. So may that be our experience as we live our life for your glory. Thank you for the unity that you've coveted with us. Thank you that you've done the work of tearing away the sin that separated us from you, Lord. And if there is anyone here that has never responded to that offer of covenant, that they today would respond to you, would welcome you as their Lord, as their Savior. And those of us that have welcomed you, Lord, I pray that we would extend our hearts to one another. Thank you for our friends and our family. How good and how pleasant it is when we live together, when we dwell together in unity. Tune our hearts to sing of this, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.